and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real life HR situations we face every day. On today's episode, I've asked Lauren Rivera-Hare to join me again in the studio. Um, Lauren is a senior HR business partner here at Paylocity and has a wealth of experience in this space. So Lauren, thanks for jumping on with me today. It's awesome to be here. Excited to have this discussion. So as we were prepping for our discussion today around compassionate performance management, I found some interesting Um, basic talking points coming out of Josh Burson. And he has been talking about performance management as this evolution. And it really used to be centered around treating people like little machines. Um, And it's now moving towards embracing the real human elements that help people succeed. This really resonated with me because I think so many times in HR, we get in this mindset of like, I have to stay legal. I, I can't be honest. And, you know, I, I experienced this myself several years ago in, in helping somebody exit an organization. And we were sitting in the meeting. We're looking at the severance document. And the employee was like, I don't know what to do. What's your recommendation? And my gut reaction to that was like, oh, my gosh, I can't give this person my my feedback. And And I took a step back and I thought about, okay, well, what can I say to help this person? And so we just went and walked through the facts of what this person's choices were. And at the end of the day, I said, hey, it's your decision, but here's what's laid out in front of you. And it was the best decision I made because it showed real humanity. So I say that because I wanted to set up our first question to get your thoughts on, you know, how do we help managers make that transition to seeing the whole person? Yes. And I think I love that story that you shared, because I think a lot of times we think about, you know, compassion and you think about the word compassion and you think it means being nice. And and it is in a way, obviously, we want to show that we care. But there's a whole component of that to say that just because you're being compassionate doesn't just mean you're being nice. It means you're being honest. And I wanted to share some information from a Gallup study. So in a landmark Gallup study outlined in the book Strengths-Based Leadership, which was by Barry Conchi and Tom Rath, 10,000 employees were asked what they want from their leaders, and their answers were four things. Compassion, trust, hope, and stability. So when you think about it from that perspective, and again, Josh Burson talking about evolution of performance management, especially as we think about COVID-19 and our past year, I think it does raise the question of, you know, could we actually achieve more and have better performance conversations and performance management if we put compassion at the heart of everything? So, you know, when you think about the past year and everything that we've been through, there has been so many opportunities for managers to have to learn how to see the whole person, whether they did it or not before. So key relationships, they had to know their teams, right? If something was going on with them personally, someone got COVID, Um, and they had to, you know, manage through some issues. It became a whole other world. We had to adapt and we've had to become more compassionate, both as leaders and as HR professionals as well. It's, It's put us in a position where we have to consider the whole person when we're looking at issues. So 
you know, I like to tell my managers a lot of times, do you know your team? The key really is having those relationships with your team members. So do you know them? Do you know whether they're an introvert or an extrovert? Do you use things like Strength Finders and Kiersey? Uh, personally, I'm a big fan of Strength Finder. Uh, I live by my top five strengths. And I believe wholeheartedly that because of Strengths Finder, I've been able to better manage myself and know how to work with others that have different strengths. So do you know your team's strengths? Do you know everybody on your team? Do you do Kiersey? What is everybody's temperaments? How do we better work together? Influence style. How do they like to be recognized? People seem to think that everybody has one way of being recognized, which could be monetary, but it could be so much more. Maybe there are people that don't really care as much. I mean, money is great, but they would just love to be, have that pride in a team meeting and have somebody call them out. So do you know that about your team? Do you know the type of feedback that they want and how much? You know, I think, again, feedback can be difficult but with the right relationship and if you have the right relationship and trust with your employees they'll give you that feedback and then it becomes a two-way street then the performance management isn't just about the manager managing the employee it is really a two-way street where you're working together and then when you get to a potential performance management process it, it's a lot easier to avoid that surprise element right we always say like oh you know no matter what someone's always going to be surprised when they get some sort of um, performance plan or whatever but really if you built that trust built that relationship and given that feedback it takes that surprise away and it becomes a mutual understanding i've seen this myself um even recently in certain situations and it just makes such a difference when you think about employees as people and what's going on. So, you know, everyone's human. We all have lives outside of work. It's so important to know your team. You know, we recently did a survey just of our HR team around how people like to be recognized. And we went in with an assumption that they want recognition from their managers. And what we learned is they actually want recognition from their peers. That was more valuable um, and so you leverage those things in those relationships when you are moving into performance discussions and bringing that compassion to life. How, how do you see this link to psychological safety and performance? Yeah, that's a great question too. I think that psychological safety is so important and it's something we don't always think about. So as I was saying um, earlier that Again, everyone's human. We all have lives outside of work. And sometimes even as HR professionals, you get caught into that trap of just hearing the, the story of what's going on in the workplace, but not putting into perspective what's going on outside of work, if there is anything. I like to ask the question, have you been talking to the person about their issues? Have they had anything going on in their lives that maybe impacted their work? Do we even know? Have you asked the questions? You know, very quickly, we've had situations where people are very quick to jump to make um, decisions and then come to realize they haven't even really talked to the person about the issues at all. And then psychological safety, you know, do you know your team again? Do you know your team members or do you only put your focus on, you know, certain individuals who maybe are the most vocal, right? And that could be a positive thing. You know, it's great to hear ideas and feedback, but are you only focusing on those team members? 
who are your people that are in, you know, in the Zoom call that don't have cameras on? Why are they not participating? They may actually have great feedback. They may have great ideas, but are you listening? Do you know them? Do you know why? If an employee doesn't feel like they have that psychological safety, that they can speak up, that they can share ideas and opinions, they're not going to say anything. And they, they may very well hold the keys to, um, you know, again, some very big items that can impact the team as a whole, but you're not going to know that if you don't know them. I actually like to compare this to when I was, when I was younger and I was in school, shockingly, I know people don't believe this, but I was the quiet kid in the back of the classroom. I was quiet. I was, you know, very focused on my studies. I did some athletics, but quiet kid in the back of the classroom, I didn't really say much, didn't really give a lot of opinions. And that's just the way that I was, you know, born and raised culturally um, due to some mental health conditions. I was very quiet, but in the right environment. And I have to say, like, even working at Paylocity, I've seen this in myself. I've really come out of my shell. And it's because I have that psychological safety, because I feel like I'm in an environment where I can speak up, where I can share my ideas, that I suddenly came out of my shell and became who I am now. And so I share that as a reason to say, again, you may have some really fantastic talent that aren't displaying that talent. How have you tried to leverage that? How have you pulled that out of them? We can do that either as a leader or even as an HR professional. Do you know your employee base? What are they thinking about? What's going on in their lives? Have you talked to any of them? I actually have frequent communication with a lot of employees in my groups because when you know them and you understand their lives, it makes it easier to just, again, understand the root causes and issues when it comes to performance. It's such a good point because sometimes I, I think as HR professionals, we end up spending a lot of time with our leadership team. And so really getting in front of employees in that, in that space can be so important. You know, you talked a lot about compassion and the benefits of psychological safety. And I think having a compassionate approach to performance management starts at the very beginning of an employee's journey. You know, walk me through how this comes to life in that journey, onboarding, you know, your first performance review and maybe even potentially your exit strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, right there at the very beginning when an employee is starting, that is a great first opportunity to either make a great impact and start to build that relationship or not, right? I mean, even think back to when you're brand new in an organization or a role and, you know, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of things to learn, a lot of new people to meet. How are you as a leader or you in HR making this a great experience? How are we helping them to make connections with their leaders and with others? I think that's really, really critical right at the get-go to start to build those relationships with employees and not just have, oh, they're going to any, you know, their orientation, they go into orientation, they go into training, and then they're just kind of off doing their thing. You know, set those stages right off the bat, get to know your people, set up, uh, make sure your leaders are setting up one-on-ones with their employees right away, starting to get to know their people. Um, we've had orientations where leaders would actually come to have lunch with their employees on the first day to even begin those connections right off the bat. So there's different ways to really, at the onboarding stage, um, start to build those connections and relationships 
but it's really the most critical time because really that's when your mind is in that phase of just learning and taking things in. And so it's a great time for, you know, leaders in HR to really get to know their employees in the beginning. Again, making sure that we've talked about things like how do they want feedback? Um, how frequent, all this kind of information, we get around to then performance reviews, right? Hopefully when you've got a performance review with your employee that's new, this uh, isn't gonna be the first time that they have an idea of where they stand. Again, performance, we have performance reviews, performance cycles, but it shouldn't just be a once a year thing. Hopefully those one-on-ones have been ongoing. And I think that's pretty evident when you look at um, in HR, if you look at reviews and look at some of the reviews that your leaders have written, I think it's pretty obvious to see who has really built those relationships and had those ongoing one-on-ones and who are those that have kind of just clearly scrambled to get something on the paper. So it's important, again, um, you as an HR professional, we can all see that. We can all see the differences and how they structure the reviews and start to ask questions. So as we look at that, um, you know, in performance review scores, calibrations, it's something to think about, not just the scores themselves, but just take a peek in some of your uh, manager's reviews in detailing content. You might learn a lot about how much they're really working with their teams and how much they really know about their teams, even just based on the reviews, on anything that's documented. I feel that that's actually a really uh, a gold mine for that type of information. Then finally, you know, when it comes to an exit strategy, let's say that, you know, someone is not performing well and you've given it your all. Have you again, have we gone through this whole process from the very beginning of onboarding through their reviews? Have we given them feedback? Do we know what's going on in their lives? You know, it could be a, something that they didn't want to talk about. It could be that they have a medical condition that's preventing them from performing. But do you know? Do you know what they're going through? I have to say that personally, um, my boss is amazing when it comes to getting to know me as a human in addition to as an employee. And I always am open to her feedback because she cares about me as a person. She knows what's going on with me. We work collaboratively together when there's issues. And I think that's something to be said that is a sign of a great leader and is something across any company in any organization that would be critical. So you're at the exit strategy at this point. I think that, again, you want to feel like you've done everything you can if we're talking performance to make sure that we've set them up to succeed, but it's just not working at this point. And then hopefully the exit can be, again, not a surprise and end up being amicable. I've seen this happen. Again, it's, it's just those relationships and having the compassion, having those conversations. That's what's really key here. How have you seen, Lauren, this come to life when you're in an organization that's really metrics driven? And I ask that question because, because I think sometimes that removes the compassion when you're talking about difficult performance issues, and, and I don't think it has to. So, you know, what's mm-hmm. your recommendation for that? And I guess, you know, potentially weave in, is there differences between hourly and salaried employees as well? That's a great question. And I've supported a lot of organizations that are very, very heavy in terms of metrics and metrics driven. And, you know, it's important to have those right to ensure that we're doing what we need to do as a business to be successful. But I asked the question in these metrics driven organizations, how frequently are you 
are you working with your business leaders and looking at them? As businesses grow and change, it seems like a lot of times the metrics tend to stay the same, but should they? You know, I, I start to see trends in one direction as a business grows and evolves that, you know, even though we have these metrics in place, we start to see some things change. As the business changes, maybe the metrics need to change as well. So if a business has grown, a business has changed, have you looked at those? The reason why I'm saying that is because um, it does, like metrics do feel very black and white, right? They haven't met their metrics. Obviously they're not doing well, we need to let them go. But let's take a step back and look at that. Are the metrics set up in a way that makes sense for the organization and where it is in this place and time? Are you potentially, do you potentially have metrics set up in a way that could create a disparate impact? I, nobody creates metrics thinking that, but is that a possibility? So keeping an eye on not only the metrics, making sure the metrics are updated, but again, taking a step back, instead of just focusing on only those metrics for, for again, performance overall, how are you asking about the whole person again too? So metrics are an aspect of overall performance, but I also like to ask questions such as what else, like what behaviorally? So we look at the metrics, what is driving those metrics? What are the behaviors driving those metrics? Why are the metrics are what they are? If we start to see some impacts across the board, see a lot of employees struggling, maybe we need to look at them. Are they reasonable? Are they achievable? You'd be surprised when you actually sit down and look at that, how much that you may think, oh gosh, like we need to change these. We need to change these um, because maybe they're not reasonable now based on how the business has developed over time. I think it's very important now in particular, post COVID for organizations to really be looking at their metrics. Business has changed. HR has changed. Everything has changed since the past, you know, year and a half at this point. Have you looked at your metrics since then? Do they still make sense with where you are as a business now? Maybe talk to your leaders and maybe everything's fine, but it's worth it to take a look and see, um, again, if there's potentially something that is creating an issue and you may not even realize it. That gave me a lot to think about. I have so many more follow-up questions, uh, but we only have so much time, Lauren. So um, <laughs> let me ask you this. Why do you think managers, leaders tend to be so eager to terminate? And I know it's a little off topic, but I think it's important when we're thinking about, you know, teaching our managers about this compassionate approach and, you know, how do we start having those conversations so that isn't their knee-jerk reaction when they uncover performance problems? It's a great question and it is something that as HR professionals, I think we we hear all the time, right? You get the call from that business leader that is saying, you know what, I have just had it with this person. Um, they are not doing their job and we need to let them go. You know, when it comes to being in their shoes, in the leader's shoes, I can see where, you know what, this person isn't meeting expectations. They just get frustrated. Frustration is a pretty natural reaction, I think, to someone who is, you know, again, causing issues that's probably impacting them and their performance as a leader. A lot of times they think that termination is the easy way out. Just let them go. We'll get someone in that can do the job and do it well. But wait a minute. Again, what, have you taken that step back? You have to kind of talk them off the ledge a little bit. Um, obviously, they're frustrated. 
sometimes I'll even tell them we need, let's have this conversation tomorrow. If someone is really hot and heavy saying, hey, we need to move forward to terminate someone now, I actually might push back a little to create a little bit of time to at least give them a moment to breathe so that we can have a good rational conversation. And it's at that point that I will then start to ask those questions of again, like, you know, if we terminate, we let this person go, you're going to have all these costs to hire someone onboard someone. Instead, can we look at this person now and say, what have we done to help them be successful? What is it? What is causing the issues? What are the root causes? Is there again, something going on in their life and they haven't talked about it? Is there something impacting them? And have you looked at that? Do we know their strengths? Do we know how to leverage them appropriately in the role? Again, there's just a lot of questions that can help these conversations get in the direction to have the leader start to think about the person as a whole person and be compassionate. And again, feedback. What feedback have you given them? Do they know that they're potentially looking to be terminated or not? Would it be a complete shock? Why? What have the conversations looked like? I'm the type of person, Sherry, you know this about me, I ask a lot of questions and I think I've become well known for that. And so that's been a technique that works for me is I just ask a lot of questions because it gets people to think and it gets people to think about ways to approach things differently. Yeah, Lauren and I are actually both very high in input in StrengthsFinder. So we, <laughs> we both ask a ton of questions, which is such a great resource. You know, as we wrap up our discussion, Lauren, I think we focused a lot on, you know, helping managers get there. But as HR professionals, I think sometimes we get stuck in this, like, policy police description of our jobs. Um, mm -hmm. and, and granted, that's changed. And, and, you know, those that are coming up in the industry now aren't being taught kind of those old ways of being super tactical and super policy police about stuff. But for those who are listening that aren't quite there yet, what advice do you have for them or, or some tactics to, to start going down this road of being more compassionate, bringing humanity to your role, showing those that you work with that you're, you're also a human, you also experience burnout and joy and frustration, um, but you're there to help them on their own journey? Yes. And I think for me, the critical piece there is building those relationships both with business leaders. And again, I've built relationships with at the employee level as well and have reached out to employees in pockets and just had conversations and gotten to know them. Um, I work very, very hard to ensure that I have those relationships because especially having those relationships um, with your leaders can go so far. And because of that, I have the psychological safety as well that when I'm meeting with leaders and I'm coming up against a roadblock, we have that safe space to be able to talk about it with each other. So, you know, I'm very human with my leaders and I'm very honest with them. If I don't have an answer, I won't make one up. I will say, I honestly don't know that. I need to find that out. I think that when you can kind of open up and be human to them, they're gonna do the same for you. I actually work really hard to get to know people on that personal level outside of work. I like to know, you know, one of the first things I ask people when I get to know them, what is a fun fact about you? Just something not work related. I found that that has helped me to then build better relationships. And again, leveraging those relationships is key to not just being called on when it's again, the police, 
but to actually building a partnership and a two-way street. And I have found that that has been tremendous for me because my people do see me as human as well. They don't just see me as the police. They know me by name. They don't just call me HR. And we work collaboratively together because I am a partner and I work well with them and I listen to them. So if, if they have frustrations, I listen. And I don't just push back and say no to everything. You know, there are ways to say no without saying no. You can, um, you know, strategically get people to come to conclusions through asking the right questions. But I think the key to all of it and at the cusp of all of it again is that humanity, getting to know people as humans, building those relationships across the teams, and then taking a step back and looking at things holistically. So, you know, we tend to address issues in pockets, right? You have one leader that calls in one department for performance managing one employee and another employee relations issue in another department. Have you taken a step back and looked at all of that holistically? Are people happy and engaged? Do they have psychological safety? Do they feel that their leaders trust them and know what's going on in their lives as humans? What motivates them? How do we get the best performance from them? Doing all of that can also help you then become a better partner to your leaders as you're looking at things from a holistic perspective and giving advice on a different level than just addressing things in pockets. It's a great way to show that um, you are a strong partner and a strong engaged business partner to the business. That has been what's been really successful for me. So not sure um, what your thoughts are, if you've had anything that's worked well for you too, Sherry. I mean, so if you're listening, I feel like you should have written down all those questions that Lauren just said. You can put those on a cheat sheet for your managers. <laughs> you know, uh, for me, I think the biggest thing is uh, I always take the opportunity to correct people if they say, oh, hey, HR's in the room or HR's here. I'm real quick to say, like, who, 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 who is that? My name is Sherry. Um, nice to meet you. <laughs> because I think you totally hit the nail on the head. You know, you have to be able to share a little bit about yourself and your world, um, as well as genuinely be interested in your employee's world. You know, for me, input is I collect a lot of information about people. So um, when I ask those questions about, you know, your hobbies or your kids or stuff, you better believe I'm creating a catalog that I'm going to be able to leverage <laughs> later, but in a, in a good way, because then the next time I see that person and they're, they're not um, acting in a way that I'm familiar with, I have something to go back on. Um, and I have that ability to create that psychological safety. And, and we haven't talked about this, but I think part of also being compassionate that I would throw out there is be honest when you have to take the information they're sharing with you somewhere else. Yes. Um, I think that's really important too. If, if somebody comes to you in confidence, just reiterating that, you know, Hey, I'm going to do my best, but if you do say something that I have to take up the chain, I'm going to let you know. So, you know, be cognizant of that as you're going into these conversations. But, um, this was a great discussion. I think there's a lot here to digest if you're listening. So hopefully you, uh, have taken notes this time around because, you know, this is, uh, such an important skill that people need, uh, in HR and as leadership to show compassion and transparency and being honest with employees. So Lauren, thanks for jumping on with me today. Thank you so much for having me and hope you have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today 
so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.